Welcome to the Alex Candy Podcast, brought to you by BasketballNews.com. This is episode number 49, and I am joined by a good friend who is the senior NBA analyst for Establish the Run. That's one of the best fantasy sites out there. He is Mike Gallagher. Mike, thanks for joining me. How are you? Doing great. Uh, This is a great time for me. It's really, really slow for us. So I am full on in the fantasy football streets. I'm just actually starting to really dig in for basketball. As you and most of your listeners know, it is total dead zone in the NBA streets. Uh, we, we, we get these rumors kind of dragging out. We hear stories all the time, but uh, this is uh, fantasy football time is, is taking over my life. I just finished up three live drafts over the weekend and uh, yeah, ready. And I kind of pushed them up. So now that I got that behind me, now I could really focus in on previewing the upcoming NBA season. Yeah, things are pretty slow in the NBA, but in football, I mean, it's crazy. This is when everyone's doing their fantasy drafts. I know a lot of like dynasty leagues typically draft sooner, but right now is all the redraft drafts, best ball, that kind of stuff. So uh, I'm really excited to talk some football, some basketball with you. Uh, We actually have a league together. You invited me to uh, a a big money league, and uh, it's been a lot of fun. A lot of a lot of loaded teams in that league. I'm kind of scared taking on some of you experts from the industry, uh, but it's a lot of fun. I'm curious. how much like of your time do you spend on fantasy football versus fantasy basketball? I know this time of year it's mostly football, but what's like the breakdown in terms of your time? Uh, I mean, football, I just cram. So basically when um, probably much mid-July, when basically when summer league ends, that's when I'm like, okay, I'm really going to be focusing on football. And my job right now, I don't really have to focus on football. It's more of just a really good hobby, which, you know, people who play fantasy basketball, I'm sure you can kind of appreciate that. And then once the season starts, I'm all basketball again, and I'll sneak in, you know, do my waivers. I don't really make trades anymore. I don't, I don't have the time for the negotiating, but yeah, basically from the day summer league ends, I start looking at football until the season starts. And then, you know, I'll pick little pockets where, I'll, okay, I'll map out, you know, 25 hours for this week to really work on my rankings and all that good stuff. But yeah, this is definitely my, my football zone. And I'll add, uh, I was, I used to work for Rotor World for the NFL and NBA stuff. And I would, to the training camp news and help out on the blurbs. And then also, um, you know, till, till the bye week started, I would help out there. And then when the bye week started, that's when it's NBA time. And I would just go, I'm a just total fantasy nut job. Uh, I'm, I love it so much. Yeah, I'm obsessed too. So I, I always tell people like, yeah, fantasy football, uh, watching football, that's like my hobby. I don't do anything yeah. professionally in that space, but I never want to because I don't want it to ruin my objectivity <laughs> and my my you know hobbies. Like I'm a huge Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan, love fantasy football. So, um, but no, you guys that established the run do a great job, not only with your NFL content, but your NBA content. I, I was in a few fantasy basketball leagues last year and it was super helpful, you know, bre- being able to see the breakdowns and rankings and all that kind of stuff. So I want to pick your brain about basketball and then we'll get into some football talk at the end. Um, I have a dynasty basketball league that's coming up. It's a startup draft happening next month. So I'm curious, what are what's your advice for someone that's approaching a dynasty startup draft? And what are some draft strategies that you know you like to consider? I would say first and foremost is definitely make sure that all your league owners are in all the way in because if things go south and someone is half in and you got to keep replacing owners, the league's just not fun anymore. Um, and another way to do that that, that I recommend to people is, you know, get the buy-in and then get a portion of next year as, as well. So that way, if they, they quit, you know, the next team that buys their team gets a little bit of a discount um, or sometimes the league will just, you know, eat it um, just to, a way to attract people. Cause if you're attracting a new team, there's a chances are that a, they probably didn't take care of their team and B it's probably a bad team. So it's a really hard sell. So 
whatever you could do to make sure people are really invested for the, for the long haul, because it's, it's a really big undertaking. It takes a lot of time out of your week to set your lineups every day or whatever you got to do. Um, so that's my first thing for starting up dynasty is make sure that everyone's bought in all the way and whatever you got to do to make sure that's the case. Sometimes I also suggest doing a redraft the first year. If you don't really know these guys really well, you don't feel hundred percent. I would just do a redraft the first year. If everything goes swimmingly, then maybe jump into the dynasty with those guys. If everyone's back, so that way you can kind of have a, a good understanding, see if, if everyone's really legit. Um, but once you got that out of the way, I, I mean, generally I'm I'm a guy who I do what's called either you know if I if I can't outdraft everyone, say everyone in the league's really good, just you just, you just can't outdraft people like crazy unless you're really lucky. Uh, I usually go for what's called the productive productive struggle approach, which is you're going to the draft not trying to really win it. I mean, if, if you do go into the draft, I mean, you want to win it, but it's really hard to be four or five rounds in when you're generally drafting players under 26 for the first few rounds. You're not really looking to get the LeBrons of the world because obviously, the, well, LeBron, maybe he plays a while now that he wants to play with both his kids. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, generally I want to be with the, the, the focus on making sure I'm getting younger players early. And then again, if you feel like you're really nailing your picks, maybe find little pockets of value, older guys, give yourself a little shorter window to really go for it. Uh, versus if you do the what's called productive struggle, you draft these younger players, you see people are taking the valuable older guys, then you can kind of pluck the guys who are total wild cards. So high, high ceilings, really, really low floors, and you're just hoping you hit like maybe two of 10 of them. Uh, and if you have the solid young core with the two or three guys who are real young with high upside, having, and, and if you play fantasy basketball, having for a true dynasty, to have those guys for... 15 to 10, you know, 15 ish years is insane. Where, like, the yeah. NFL guys, Todd Gurley, for instance, right? Like, Todd Gurley was on top of this game for like two, three years, completely goes away. Um, the shelf life for really, really good NBA players is so, 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 so long. Uh, so, yeah, just figuring out how you want to build your team and then identifying it's really important to see how teams around you are building. So, say you're picking 11th in a 12, 12 team league, say that team behind you is going a little bit older, you know, you could kind of I build around teams that are near you too. But yeah, just in general, I, I'm, I'm almost always the guy I don't do dynasty rankings anymore, but my rankings of all the young guys up top when I, when I used to do them, uh, it's just really important to me. I want to make sure I'm giving my team, you know, my key players having, you know, 10 plus years of just dominating. That's how I approach every dynasty league. Like in football, I, you know, go after quarterbacks and wide receivers who are mm-hmm. much younger. Like I'm the king of, my, my rosters are like all rookies, second year, third year wide receivers, like super yep. young guys. And yeah, I've done some of these mock drafts for basketball and I find myself taking a ton of rookies and sophomores just because there's so much value there. You know, they have so much upside. And yeah, I mean, you can get a guy like a Kevin Durant, uh, but to your point, you're going to get a couple years out of him versus taking a rookie who you could have forever. And those guys, they're, all, they're, yeah. they're only going to get more valuable a couple years down the road whenever they're hitting their prime and stuff. So yeah, I tend to, you know, approach it the same way, kind of have that patience I know some people have said like, oh, I'm scared of drafting those young guys because like, what if this league's not yeah. even around in a couple of years? But I think <laughs> if you're approaching it that way, then you're in the wrong league and have the wrong uh, GMs that are kind of part of it. I'll add to, I think rookies, I almost value second and third year players more because again, we're talking about a possibly, you know, 12, 15 year career for the really good players where the really, really good football running backs, their window of dominating is like four or five years, right? So you know, eating a year on an 18-year-old, 19-year-old player versus a 20-year-old player over 15 years isn't a big of a deal. Whereas, you know, the rookies, some of them, especially the, like, you know who the elite, elite guys are. But yeah. one example of a miss for me, 
Um, I, I fell in love with Stanley Johnson at Summer League. Mm. I was like, oh, my God, he's so young. He went A. I love the system with Stan Van Gundy. I ranked him really high, and I, that was a mistake. Um, and ever since that happened, I'm always like, okay, you know, these rookies who aren't legit pedigree superstar players that every that were, you know, number one coming out of high school, those guys all bump up. But the guys who are like, I, like the situation is like something you really want to make sure you're not overweighting. So just something you want to think about there. Uh, Cause I mean, remember this, this, uh, the Van Gundy teams, they were bombing threes. They were like such a good fantasy friendly environment. So um, that's another thing you really want to consider for dynasty is make sure you're not, if you're looking at rankings, you know, that's something that a lot of people overweight because uh, they're looking at the first season that could change really quickly. We know head coaches uh, in the NBA, especially on the bad teams, uh, they may not last that long. So like I said, I, you know, not worrying about too, too much about the really, really young guys and just trying to stay in that core second, third, fourth year player where you kind of know where you've seen where they're at. You've seen the progression of the course of the season. Yeah, they're a bit more proven and still have mm-hmm. that upside. You know what you're getting from them. Um, who are some guys uh, in fantasy basketball? It can be dynasty or redraft, but who are some guys that you're higher on than the consensus? So I'm scared this more towards redraft because that's kind of what I'm focusing on, but it also, it also would carry over to, and we'll talk rookies more about, we can maybe tie that into dynasty too when we talk rookies in a minute. Yeah. So I'm going to have Jason Tatum ranked really high. Um, I'm debating breaking him either second or third, obviously behind Nikola Jokic. I've just sold on his games played. I really liked how he grew as a passer. I like how he is still getting covered like crazy from three-point shooting, and he still hasn't really struggled too much there. I like to see him be a little bit better. Um, but the passing and the improved, improved scoring around the rim, if it comes together, I could see him shooting really well from the field. Obviously, we know he's he's only still 19 years old. Kidding. But um, yeah, Jason Tate <laughs> is a guy I'm really going to draft. Uh, just to hit the, the first round, guys. Uh, I love Cat. Uh, we know Cat had that, that hand thing slash wrist thing. He had a little bit of a leg thing. But besides that, before he got hurt and he started running through this bad luck, he was never missing games. He's so durable. I'm not too worried about him losing shot blocking opportunities with Gobert. We kind of saw that last year. But I think there's a, a possibility where you look at uh, the Celtics defensive scheme, which I think Chris Finch is going to steal a lot of with Rudy Gobert and Cat making Cat more of like the Horford and Gobert a little bit more of a, who's obviously way better than Robert Williams uh, as a rim protector. But I think that Cat's shot blocking will still be like just a little bit worse than it was. Well, I think his offense could go crazy uh, with a low usage guy like Gobert putting extra pressure on the rim. He's going to be firing three pointers. We know how good he is from there. So I really like Cat. And the other guy who's a borderline first rounder that I really like, uh, I I think Damian Lillard is going to really bounce back strong. Him off, arguably his worst year since he established himself. He was playing through a uh, injury for three years, he said, Uh, and he was still going out there, still playing so many games. Dame does not miss games very often. They sat him down on purpose. We know the the league, I'm sorry, the Blazers are going to do it every once. And we know Dame wants to go out there and win games. So I think Dame can play a lot of games. I expect him to bounce back really strong. I'm not worried about Jeremy Grant eating his usage. Same with Anthony Simons. So I like those guys a lot. For like the first rounders, do you want to talk about those guys? I'm going to keep going. Yeah, continue. I love it. This keep is going. Great. Cool, cool. Uh, I'm pretty in on Dejounte Murray. Uh, obviously, Dejounte broke out. I thought he should have been uh, a better candidate for most improved player over John Morant, especially earlier in the season. He was just dominating on offense, and we saw what he did without Derek White. And obviously, Trey Young isn't Derek White, but Dejounte's growth as a driver. Uh, and more efficiency on those drives really stepped up. His passing opportunities got a little bit better. He started shooting a little bit more. Um, I, I think that Trey Young is going to be affecting the, you know, the front court guys more than it's going to affect Dejounte. So Dejounte, especially in underdog drafts, he really falls. And I, I think Dejounte is a guy who again doesn't miss games. They set him out late this season, just tank. So I really like him. 
Uh, I'm big on Mikel Bridges. Mikel Bridges has never missed a game in his career. Like that is so big. And going back to a, a general overarching theme, having guys you pick early, you want them getting 75 games. We can talk more about that. And the guys I don't like, that'll be a big theme there. Um, but I, I really like um, Mikel Bridges. Such so solid in fantasy. Steals are really good. Uh, love love Evan Mobley. Uh, I thought Evan Mobley lost a little bit of his mojo early, but just his ball handling, his shot blocking, and we saw a little bit of that catch and shoot stuff late in the season. Uh, he could just break fantasy um, with his skill set. So um, young guy, again, mega proven. We saw he's pretty much arguably the best player in this the class that just came out. We saw last year very much into Brandon Clark. We saw him when he was used late in the season. Uh, Jaron Jackson has a foot injury. He is going to be out until probably around New Year. Uh, we know Brandon Clark could really crush. Uh, I love OG Ananobi, a guy I'm in on every year. I think you can take another step forward here. Uh, CJ McCollum, another guy who I think is going to get underdrafted because everyone's so worried about Zion. Uh, and the last guy that's – we've talked sleepers in a minute, but the last guy is going to go kind of mid-rounder earlier. Uh, I'm still in on Alfred Shingoon. I do have some concerns about his fouling. Um, but I think his offense could be really good. I think he fits great with Jabari Smith and Tari Eason, who we'll talk about in a second. So um, he's going to be expensive. Uh, he is a fantasy darling of a lot of people. But yeah. um, I think if you could get him where you're not overpaying, uh, I'm definitely in on Shingun. This podcast is brought to you by Branded Bills, the best place online for premium headwear and apparel. Branded Bills has hundreds of designs available, including their popular state collection, where you can show your pride with hats, shirts, hoodies, and more for all 50 states. Are you a company looking to brand your business? Branded Bills also offers custom apparel options that can meet your brand standards with fast turnaround and shipping. To shop or learn more, visit brandedbills.com today. That's brandedbills.com. Are you someone that finds yourself drafting centers like earlier? Because I know that's a strategy that people have talked about. Yeah. You know, if you can get two centers in the first three, four rounds, then, you know, you're kind of set because, you know, there's a bit of scarcity there. Do you find yourself drafting centers earlier or what's your approach when it comes to kind of filling out your different positions? So very important to note the format. Uh, Yahoo, they give out eligibility like crazy. So if you're in that league and you only start one center, I don't care. You know, I'm going to pick the best player. And if I, I'll worry about my my needs a little bit later. And I, I always say this, when, if you don't have to worry about need until late in the draft, like you pretty much crushed your draft. Yeah. Uh, when you start feeling that pressure early. Um, and I, I, I will bake that into my, my rankings where I feel, where I feel the, no, the cliffs are going to be for positions. Uh, but if you're on ESPN, they're way less likely to be adding different positions. So if you're in a two center ESPN league, you almost have to address it a little bit early, not where you're going to be reaching, but say you're debating, Picking between, I'll just say Cat and Tatum. I would still probably pick Tatum, but if it's in a format where you start a lot of centers at ESPN, I would really consider picking Cat just because um, the demand's going to be higher and people are going to really feel that squeeze later in drafts. So if you can address that earlier, you won't have to be as pressured to force your pick and reach a round or two, especially if you're picking on the ends at one or 12 and you got to wait so long, you could really lose some value there. But yeah, just knowing your league format, um, knowing how many positions guys are eligible for, that'll give you a pretty big edge and figure out what to do there. Who are some guys that you're lower on in the consensus? So I'm not going to be drafting Zion Williamson. Obviously, he's great. We saw him put up before he got hurt. I mean, it's guy just sat out a year. I can't do it. Can't pull the trigger on him. Um, his defensive stats, unlike they were at Duke, they're just not there. Uh, I expect the passing to be low. I think his minutes floor is going to be really low. He's going to probably get rested in some uh, multiple spots. So I'm I'm very much out on him. Uh, same thing with Kawhi, really for the same reasons. Um, we heard Pop say a while ago he has that degenerative knee thing. No interest. Um, the Clippers have a really bad late-season schedule as well. So, you know, you're talking about 
a light game count on top of getting rested in some spots there. I mean, you could be looking at a really, really light schedule during the playoffs when the chips are down. Paul George to a little bit lesser of a degree. Uh, probably the, the spicy guy I'm going to be out on. And I don't really have a feel for the market, but just how I feel. Probably not drafting John Morant. He just plays too aggressively for me. Uh, he doesn't shoot enough threes. Not going to be great from the field. The assists will be really good. He doesn't like spike you in steals. Uh, he will score a ton, but scoring is an area I, I think I can make up later in the draft. So not in on him for where I think he's going to go. I'd rather draft other players. I don't really know who yet. I have, again, I don't have a feel for the market yet. Uh, same with Kyrie, kind of a combination. I mean, goes without saying Kyrie misses a lot of games, even before the whole vaccination thing, Kyrie missed pretty much over a quarter of games from his Boston and then early uh, Nets days. So uh, Lonzo Ball, same thing. Again, this knee thing has been an issue since the Lakers. Remember the story when he had a disagreement with the training staff about treatment for his knee. Still dealing with that. Still not 100% healthy. Uh, not great, man, for a guy with that injury history. Jaron Jackson, again, injury is a big theme here. Uh, don't, he missed that whole season for a meniscus injury. It took way, way longer. Me and everyone in fantasy was just, where the hell is Jaron Jackson? We need him out there. It never happened. So coming off a foot injury, a little bit different circumstance because he had, does have the contract now with the four-year extension. But I would expect him to be on that back end of the four to six months, which puts him you know, kind of around January. So you missed like half a season. If your league's weaker, though, and you know you can crush to the playoffs, I think that there's a sale to be made there. But um, probably out. And then James Wiseman, he's getting drafted really high at underdog. I get it. I mm. think he's a really good, talented player. But, I mean, they're not going to play him and Kevon Looney together. I know Kevon Looney has limitations for minutes, but they're going to want to play Draymond at the five a little bit. I just don't see the minutes upside, and I don't really see the ceiling. We saw Wiseman and Steph not mesh. Curious to see that. We could um, you know, maybe talk about that um, another another time. But, um, yeah, I'm very fascinated to see how he fits. But, yeah, pretty clear theme here uh, is I don't really want to draft guys who I'm worried about playing 70 games. How do you, uh, you know, weigh that in Dynasty? Because a guy like James Wiseman, yeah. I mean, I don't know where he's going in Dynasty, but some of those guys where you're like, okay, you might not play as much this season, but having a Zion or a Wiseman in Dynasty could be valuable. How do you kind of factor that in? Yeah, so Zion's probably a first guy to talk about there. I just go in there assuming someone's going to take him really early. Um, I was really, really sold on Zion the before he started playing because, as I said earlier, his defensive stats were ridiculous. Like he broke all the stat box score stat, uh, you know, the fancy stats, um, box plus minus, all that good stuff. And I was just like, oh my god! I mean, these defenses, these defensive stats are going to be there. And they're just not. So my point is, I think someone's going to just reach. So I would really, really kind of stay away from those guys. A lot of those guys aren't too, too young. Weissman, Weissman, and Zion are probably the two exceptions. If well, I could see Weissman falling, and I think if you know maybe if he does start to fall, and I need a center and I want some upside in my teams. He's going to probably go after like 65, 70. I would imagine in dynasty, even though he's so young, but um, you know, if I drafted a team that's really, really young and I'm sitting there with Weissman on the, on the clock and I'll just say Al Horford um, who is probably not going to be there, but just to make my case here, uh, that would be a place that I would, I would pounce. So yeah, very case specific for some of these guys, but Zion's going to be an early pick. So you really can't have a plan in place when you're going after Zion. So I would just probably pass. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, this year's rookie class is, is very interesting. And again, I'm a guy that tends to target a bunch of rookies, whether it's dynasty or redraft. 
you know, last year I was able to get Cade Cunningham, Evan Mobley. I got these guys, you know, I, I think I had Josh Giddy. I was all in yeah. uh, on the rookies last year and it, it tends to work out. I think, um, you know, they, they go a bit lower because, you know, people aren't sure what they're going to do in year one. But if you take a handful of them, usually a couple of them will hit. I have the same approach in football too. I, I find myself oh, yeah. taking a ton of rookie wide receivers and running backs. Um, who were some of your favorites of this year's rookies and, and what's your general approach to this year's uh, prospects? I will say I'm actually more aggressive on rookies in football, probably by a much, much higher magnitude. I am not leaving a football draft with basically two or fewer rookies. I'm like for sure drafting probably three or four. Uh, the One of the last drafts, I literally drafted five rookies in a row uh, late in the draft just because, and they were generally on bad teams too. Uh, but again, um, just generally, oh man, rookies are on bad teams. If things break right and they do want to play it where they give those guys a big, big minutes, could be really valuable. Um, probably a case just from last, just set this up a little bit. Like Jaden Green, just know if you take a rookie, you're probably going to be frustrated early on. Like Jalen Green's a pretty good example of this because he was horrible. He was one of the worst players in efficiency, didn't prevent the stats. But late in the season, when the chips were down, he was crushing Kevin Porter yeah. Jr. as well. So just know if you're picking rookies, you don't want to overexpose yourself because you could really, really, really be taking a lot of losses early. So you really want to pick your spots. That said, I, I'm in on Paolo, uh, and I think kind of low-key, Gary Harris getting hurt with the meniscus injury, given the team he's on, given the way they've got some guard depth, I think they can maybe play smaller, and I think Paolo can maybe get his minutes, minutes boosted just a little bit more. Uh, I want to see how he fits with some other guys, so I'm definitely in on Paolo. Curious to see where he goes. I'd probably say I'm out on Jabari Smith. We saw him not do anything on ball. The fact that he couldn't really dominate in the scoring columns in Summer League gave me some concern. I think like in dynasty though, I think it could be interesting because he does have the length of the shot blocking three point shooting can't pass, but uh, I can see him being a guy that steps up uh, a guy that I think I'm going to be in on probably a lot is, and it would have been Chet uh, pour one out for Chet, but uh, yeah. I was in love with Keegan Murray. I want to hear your take on that too. If after I say my stuff, but I've never really seen a guy as a rookie come in and just do everything. Drive left, drive right, spin shots, uh, off the dribble threes, catch and shoot threes, open score, uh, scoring the open floor. Like it was just full on complete display for him. Uh, so I think he's, there's enough uh, meat on the bone with De'Aaron Fox and Sabonis that he could still get like a 21, 22 usage rate. Add some other other stats. I think the Kings and their pace is something I want to watch, you know, going from that Alvin Gentry offense to going to what's probably a little bit of a slower offense with Mike Brown. But um, what did, what did you take? Uh, um, where, do you, where are you on the, the Keegan bandwagon? Yeah, I, I was really impressed with him in Summer League. And I, I think he's one of the guys that I would target because he's 22 yeah. years old. So he's more NBA ready than some of these other guys yeah. that, especially like in redraft, I think Keegan is someone to go after. Um, and Dynasty, you know, again, I, I'm a fan of the younger guys, but mm -hmm. if you want someone that can produce this year, I think he can, can definitely be that guy. And I agree with you. I don't think um, you look at some of these guys in their situations and whether they're going to be able to, you know, put up big numbers or not. You know, I, I think Sacramento, obviously they're trying to make the playoffs or at least to play in. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think there's enough for him to still be able to put up significant numbers. Yeah. Uh, I know, I believe he's like third. He has the third best odds for rookie of the year, uh, or maybe second. I forget second or third, yeah. but I think uh, he's a very interesting guy just because we saw how NBA ready he is. It's not just his age, but just his where where his skill sets at. I think he could definitely be a guy that makes a big impact from day one. So, yeah, I'm a big fan of him. I'm curious to see where yeah. he ends up going in some yeah. of these drafts because I don't know. I feel like every time I've done these drafts, it feels like rookies go significantly lower than they should. Like even again, last year, the Cade Cunningham's Evan Mobley's they're, they're going like yeah. maybe it's just the, the formats that I played in. But do you tend do you see that they tend to go lower than they should? Um, so generally 
I'll be more bullish on. I drafted so much Mobley last year um, because big men, it's easier for them to score, right? They're usually shooting close to the basket, especially when they're adding blocks. If you're a big man who shoots a little bit and can not be bad at free throws and you block like one shot a game, you're fantasy viable. So guys like that, which again, it's not, this is really not the class for that, which is why I would have been high on Chet. Um, Pour one out for Chet again, pour one out for my plus 550 rookie of the year tickets. I thought were good, but uh, I thought that I was like, oh baby, because if you remember the, the night he went off, it was plus 550. By the end of the night, he was like plus 300. Uh, yeah. Everyone was just jamming Chet uh, rookie of the year tickets. So, yeah, just uh, just to round out the list, too. And a lot of these, again, like, it's very odd. We don't really have that big man who I feel really great about. I'll talk about one in a second. But just some other names to throw out there. Uh, I think Benedict Matherin, I think things could break great for him. I like what I saw. But obviously, we, we've seen the rumors with Miles Turner and Buddy Heald. He has to have Buddy Heald go away for me to really be feeling strong about drafting him, but you can really see the way the Pacers are setting up. They want this to be one of their guys next to Halliburton to lead their backcourt offense. I don't think Duarte is that guy, uh, obviously given his age. Uh, just some other names on the back end of the lottery that I got my eye on. Um, Jalen Williams, so that's J-Dub, a.k.a. the number 12, a.k.a. the J-E-L-E-N. Yeah. Jalen Williams, not the other one. Um, <laughs> so I think Chet losing uh, the season could really push him up because now he's, I think, their prize piece. I thought Usman Jang has linked to play the five, but he was so raw. He looked like Bambi out there, and he was kind of just like like moving around. He just looks so clumsy. He's got a great jumper, but uh, I think if they play smaller and they do play Poku at the five, we've seen them play Darius Baisley at the five. If you get kind of clear out those four minutes to get Jalen Williams in there, who played a lot of four at Summer League, he's a guy I'm going to be really wanting to take glass round shots on uh, because we know OKC, they're probably going to want to get him out there for minutes. Um, Tari Eason's a guy I really want. I, I was probably more impressed with Tari Eason of the guys I didn't really know much about. He just is great defensively. Yeah. That's an area the Rockets really need. I think, again, things need to break right for him. Eric Eric Gordon has to get traded. I think KJ, uh, uh, KJ Martin has to get traded. Uh, so if those, if those two things happen, which he's pretty likely, I mean, Eric Gordon's been on the trade block for two years. Uh, I really like him. Jalen Duran, same boat. He needs Kelly Lennon to go away. Uh, he needs maybe Marvin Bagley to start being bad because he was really good late in the season. Um, so uh, those guys I do like other lottery guys I'm out on, uh, not into Shane Sharp, not into J- uh, Jason Daniels, not into uh, Jeremy Shohan, who I actually love long-term and I'm not into Johnny Davis, just massive disappointment from what I saw in Johnny Davis in summer league. Yeah. I think uh, those guys like the, the Daniel Sharp, those guys are interesting in dynasty for me, but not in redraft. I think they're going to take some time. They're pretty raw. Um, I, I love the the points you made on, on Keegan Murray, who, by the way, I just looked it up. Yeah. He is uh second best odds for yeah. rookie of the year. And then yeah, Matherin, I'm really interested in because I do think they're going to try to really run things through that one, two punch of Tyrese Halliburton and Matherin. I think that he could, you know, be uh Maybe their second leading scorer, potentially. Um, I know they want Tyrese to step up and score the ball more this year and be more aggressive yeah. scoring. So I think, by the way, Tyrese is a really interesting player to go after. And uh, obviously, yeah. you know, he's a he's one of the best passers in the league, but they're telling him they want him shooting, you know, 14, 15 shots per game. So I could see him scoring the ball significantly more and being very interesting. But yeah, I like both of those guys. I think uh, those are two rookies that I definitely have my eye on. Um, I'm curious, what are your thoughts on, we just mentioned Halliburton. Uh, I saw there's some dynasty mock drafts where he goes first round, uh, like toward the end of the first round uh, or early second round. What are your thoughts on Matherin or or, uh, Halliburton in both formats? I think it's really good. Uh, He's just such a stat stuffer. He shoots the ball pretty well from the field. Um, obviously the assist numbers were just outrageous late in the season. So, um, dynasty, I'm a little bit more interested, interested. 
I've got he's very SGA like for me, where mm-hmm. I think he's had a crush early. Like we saw SGA, he scored 30 points per game in his, uh, I think, 13 post-break games, and then they shut him down. I think it could be similar because, as we were saying earlier, I think the Pacers, I think that they're playing the long game, right? So I think that they may just start to sit Halliburton, but in a dynasty, that makes sense to me because, I mean, if I knew his games were going to be good, I'd be looking at him in that, you know, probably one-two turn, honestly, um, because I really want to get a point guard there but I do have the concern about the late season downside with possibly getting rested. So yeah, that makes, that makes sense to me that he would go there. Cause he, he just was insane last year. Yeah, he was really good. Um, I actually just did a feature on Tyrese Halliburton. So check that out. If you missed it, I interviewed him, uh, Chad Buchanan, um, his trainer, Drew Hanlon. So check that out. Um, Before we transition to football, and I want some of your takes on uh, your your different uh, players you're targeting and stuff like that. Who are some of your favorite sleepers or values for this season in basketball? So Pacers, uh, I love Isaiah Jackson. Uh, if you played fantasy playoffs last year, late and you played where you played the not the very last week, and you were able to avoid him missing time with yep. the concussion and then get him right there, he crushed. Mm-hmm. Big time block steals guy. He shoots a little bit. He's easy dunker. Him and Halliburton have such great chemistry. Love the role game. Uh, if Miles Turner is still on the team, I would still take shots on him. The price is going to be so low that it could just pay huge, huge, huge dividends. So uh, Isaiah Jackson is one of my favorite players. Just eat it in the first couple of weeks that they do have Turner because we know they want to trade him. Right. How long it took. Rumors are nonstop. And they drafted all these bigs. Uh, and by the same token, Jalen Smith uh, going to be starting again, capable of shot blocking, complete bus pick for the Suns. But I think uh, Rick Carlisle has been able to use him. So I do really like him. The San Antonio Spurs uh, and just the rule of thumb for me, your last few picks in fantasy, I always go young players on bad teams. And we know the San Antonio team, their backcourt is real thin. Uh, so uh, Trey Jones is a guy who you know has the pedigree with his brother, obviously with Tyus, but uh, I thought he played great. I thought he could handle the ball really well. Minutes could be insanely high. Uh, they've got a couple guys that are, they're going to probably make them point guards in Joshua Primo, who was a dud in summer league. Blake Wesley did a lot of scoring. He just can't really run an offense. And we know pop, doesn't really like to give unproven guys ball handling responsibility. So Trey Jones, with his lack of uh, lack of competition to run the offense, uh, he could really, really put up some really strong numbers. Love Devin Vassell. Obviously love Keldon Johnson. Not too into Pirtle. I think they may play some other guys there, but I think Kurt Pirtle will be fine. Um, so And Pop doesn't really like to play those. Uh, I don't really like Shohan this year. Uh, I, I think Wesley's a good player, but I'm not ready to pounce on him yet. But the uh, I think Primo, I'm down to take, but Trey Jones, Vassell, Keldon are three guys I'm going to have in high later. Uh, I think Jared Vanderbilt for the Jazz is interesting. Uh, got a really cheap contract. Curious to see if a team who's competing is going to want to trade for him because having a, pl- a player like that on your bench uh, is so, so valuable to put some, you know, if it's a second unit wing scorer, we see Vanderbilt really guard on ball guys very well and he can protect the Rams. So I could see them if he is with Utah. And it works out. First of all, that's not going to cost you much. And two, we saw uh, Hardy, their new coach, really, I could see him implementing the Robert Williams role for him. So that could lead to a lot of shot blocking, a lot of dunking, because uh, he has a similar skill set. Obviously, not as great of a passer, doesn't have quite the size overall, but I could see him filling in there. Uh, I think Nick Claxton ran really poorly last year. And I think that the Nets aren't going to want to overexert Ben Simmons minutes, especially if they use him as a five uh, and put more pressure on Kevin Durant that way. So I think they're going to generally play bigger. So 
I think Nick Claxton's a guy I really want to, going to want to take a shot at. Uh, Jade McDaniels, um, I think that they're going to really want to play him a lot. Uh, he's shown some growth as a scorer. He can shoot. I think his his defensive stats can be really good with the way this team's going to want to play. So he's going to be a very bad scorer. But if you're playing a nine cat or eight cat, I think you can really fill it up for those uh, the called the basketball goodies and kind of a low key guy that I'm interested in. This is kind of out there. Uh, Marco Fultz. I think Marco mm. Fultz is a better fit with Paolo than Cole is. And I was really disappointed on Cole. I thought Cole had a really good start. But really, once Markel had his minutes lifted, he was making really good passes, had a really good run, – was running the offense really well. Obviously, he's the number one pick, too. So I wouldn't be surprised if Markel Fultz really makes a run. Mentioned the Gary Harris thing. I think that kind of opens up the door for, you know, last-round shots or so on Markel Fultz. I, I I really like what he did down the stretch, and I think there's opportunity here now that he has an injury behind him and he can really hit the ground running this year. Yeah, I like that call a lot. And actually, I got to shout you out because last year I was the runner-up in my redraft league. And it was because I was listening to your podcast and oh, yes. reading your tweets. And I went after Isaiah Jackson, Jalen Smith. Yeah, I think I, I drafted or I picked up, maybe it was off waivers, but Devin Vassell. Like, I know these are a yep. lot of your guys that you were uh, <laughs> suggesting last year too. So appreciate you uh, awesome. winning me my money back in, in redraft last year. Thanks, man. <laughs> um, in Dynasty Leagues, last thing on on basketball here, which players have been the toughest for you to evaluate? Um, I know you mentioned you don't do Dynasty rankings anymore, yeah. but just who are some guys that you have a hard time figuring out, you know, you kind of figuring out their value? Yeah, so I put these guys in buckets here. Uh, injury-prone guys. We talked about Zion. Don't need to talk about that anymore. Uh, Weissman mentioned Chris Asprosigas, Lonzo, Michael Porter Jr. Uh, again, not doing rankings. He would be really hard for me to rank given the youth and the multiple back surgeries. Uh, so that's always a tough one. Am I ranking them too low? Am I too high? I'm generally going to be on the lower side compared to someone who's else is doing rankings. I feel like, especially, especially my early picks, my later picks, I won't be leaning too much into it. Um, the, the trade situations and the teams that are tanking, those are really tough situations. So right now doing the Knicks is so difficult because if Obi Tompa gets traded to the jazz and they don't get RJ Barrett or something, and they just get picks, 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 picks. We saw what Obi did. Obi was uh, the last two weeks of the season. If you played in a nine cat league for total value, those two weeks, he was fifth <laughs> um, overall. So um, this dude could fill up the freaking stat sheet uh, and actually shout out Adam Schefter. I told him to pick him up that time. And he, uh, he ran the table with Obi to, uh, to win his fantasy basketball league. Wow. Uh, thanks to Obi. Yeah. Um, I didn't he was but, fifth. That's crazy. He was fifth. Yeah. It was, I, I, it was something like, it was like the last like 11 days from when it was something like close to two yeah. weeks. He was fifth uh, for a nine cat. It's completely bonkers. So, you know, the Knicks situation with the Mitchell speculation and the Spurs, man, just all those young guys. Like, I want to believe in Shohan. It's just tough for me to rank those guys. And then the other one is the upside guys behind someone good. So Anyeka Kongwu, I think Anyeka Kongwu could be really good, but Clint Capella, obviously not going anywhere. Uh, it would have been fun to see that trade. I wonder if the what the price was on that, considering how much they paid for Gobert. Um, Davion Mitchell behind someone like De'Aaron Fox. Um, Camp Thomas, we've seen him crush, but now his situation's not as great with the Nets going for it. Um, but talked about Ben Matherin kind of a little bit there too. And Chris Boucher isn't young, but he plays young. And there's just so much depth on that team. And we know he kind of gets in the doghouse sometimes. So just finding those upside guys that are stuck behind rotation staples, those guys, and I want to rank them higher. But again, if like if things break where they're not behind that guy anymore, whether the guy ahead of them gets traded or gets hurt or that or the guy himself gets traded, 
uh, it could just be wheels up in a hurry. Yeah, I like those calls. Thanks to Yerbe for sponsoring this episode. Yerbe is a naturally caffeinated energy drink that's made exclusively with recognizable plant-based ingredients. There's no sugar, calories, or sucralose, so you can feel great about what you're drinking. Get the energy you need without the jitters or crash. Check out yerbe.com for 10% off. That's yerbe.com for 10% off. All right, let's get into some football. We'll finish up yeah. here. Um, I, it's funny because we've we've talked a lot about, uh, <laughs> I mean, just various leagues that we're both picking in, but we have our league together. And I definitely know some of your favorite guys to target just because you have <laughs> them in multiple leagues. But um, for people who don't know, who are some of your favorite targets this year? So I broke this down by position. Uh, I, I'm taking in one quarterback leagues. I'm taking Mahomes and Kyler a lot in underdog. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is again. I'm not put. This is this is like fifth round, sixth round. I'm generally not going to want to push. And just every draft's different. Some people like Herbert a lot. Some people like Kyler a lot. Some people like Mahomes a lot. So like it, the the whole key here is just finding where the value's at. So generally, I'm not going into a draft looking to say, "Hey, I'm taking quarterback in this round." Obviously, if you know guys are going to push down, I'll pounce. So. Really for that and running backer guys, uh, I just want to let the, the value come to me there. Uh, other guys, I, I'm still in on Trey Lance. Uh, I know my colleague Evan Silva was on the pod the other day expressing some concerns. I don't really have those concerns. Definitely trust Silva, but uh, I, I'm still going to draft Trey Lance. Um, Danny Dimes, Zach Wilson, like super late, super flex guys. I like to take, I like to take shots on Land, uh, on Justin Fields. Sorry, I got my my Fields is mixed up. Shout out, shout out Landry Fields. <laughs> um, so for running backs, I'm taking Christian McCaffrey. If I'm picking on the clock, Christian McCaffrey's there. I don't care what format it is, unless it's crazy scoring. Super flex, one quarterback. I'm taking McCaffrey. I don't care. Um, as Levitan, who you had on the pod, he calls it four condom drafting. <laughs> got got to go no condom drafting in fantasy football. I you do in basketball. You want to put the you want to buy you want to go to Costco and buy condoms if you're going to be if you're drafting fantasy basketball early. But um, I'm in on him. I actually like taking Jonathan Taylor over the other receivers just from what I found. Taking him there and then when it comes back to you, the the running backs really dip off to me there. So I like having my stud running back that way I could either take a tight end and a receiver, a lot of receivers. I like, we'll talk about. So I like taking JT and again, just letting the value come to me. So on the way back, I'm looking to take, if I'm picking late in the first, you know, looking at Saquon Kamara, Aaron Jones, Swift, I'm looking there like uncle Lenny in the third and then Fournette. Um, so those guys, uh, I, I like early and again, just really letting the value come to me because rounds three through eight, I'm just, there's so many good receivers that I want to take. Uh, but some late round running backs I want to take. I like AJ Dillon, Michael Carter a lot, Tony Pollard, Ramondre Stevenson, Chase Edmonds is a guy I really like to the pass catching guy. Amir Abdul really late is a guy I've been hammering at because I think he could really lock down a pass catching role. Uh, so really into him. Uh, middle round receivers, I I can't draft enough. T Higgins, DJ Moore, Amon Ross St. Brown, Chris Godwin, uh, and Devontae Smith. I really like to target those guys. Kadarius Tony is falling. Same with Chase Claypool. I like the new roles they're going to be in. Kadarius Tony gets called the uh, Stefan Diggs of the offense. So I think that's really exciting if you could afford to take a swing in like round eight or nine. Uh, and then tight end. Yeah, Pitts, Pitts in the third is like such a great pick. And then if you don't get him and you don't want to pull trigger on Kelsey, or, or Andrews doesn't fall to you. Uh, I'm taking Irv, David Njoku, Albert O, or Darren Waller if he slips. He's been slipping lately too. Yeah, I want pitch real bad. I haven't gotten him in any of my yeah. leagues, but I'm kind of bummed about that. But I definitely like him in that third round. Sometimes, like yeah. home league, you might be able to get him fourth round, and that's just crazy to me. 
Um, The guys that I find myself having like everywhere, I think I have Jalen Hurts in, you know, several leagues now. I like Dalvin Cook. I think people, he he tends to go later in the first round and a lot of the home leagues that I've been in uh, or some of like the the leagues I do with like, you know, colleagues of mine and stuff like that. And I I think he has some positive touchdown regression coming. I like Dalvin Cook a lot. Mm -hmm. And then I, I love the high upside running backs. I've been getting a lot of Chase Edmonds. Ramondre Stevenson. Um, I have a lot of uh, Damian Pierce from when he was going later, and I'm loving that now. Yeah. Um, I know you got him in our league together, and that's a great, great pick. Pick one, pick one nineteen, baby. So good. We yeah, drafted pretty early. That's incredible value. Um, <laughs> and then I, I think I love the the young receivers. I love Rashad Bateman, um, T. Higgins, as you mentioned. Who are some of the uh, Juju? I think he could be great yeah. this year. Oh yeah, I miss Juju. Yeah. I have drafted Juju, Juju a lot. Like crazy. Yeah, I I, I reached for Juju. Juju. Yeah, I, I took uh, my main league. I, I had a I had a tough choice between Juju and Jerry Judy, and I was I was in the tank. I I was really thinking through, and I was like, all right, I need to swing for upside here. This league's really competitive, so I, I opted for for Juju. I think where he's going is kind of his floor. I, I think he's very very yeah. safe, and he has crazy upside. I like Cortland Sutton a lot. Um, yeah. One guy that I've been drafting a lot, he's not younger, but I think he's just in a much better situation now is Allen Robinson. I think he could really break out. And, you know, we saw with Odell Beckham where everyone was like off him. And then he goes to the Rams and has Matt Stafford and and that offense, you know, breaks out. I think Allen Robinson could be really good this year. Uh, Those are some of my favorite guys to target. Um, Who are some guys that you're lower on than the consensus? Uh, so I'm I I've never been close to clicking Aaron Rodgers. Uh, I've got some Same. concerns that taking Devonte Adams out of that offense is going to drive them down. I don't really like their receiving core. I do love Romeo Dobbs, by the way, but um, I'm just never clicking him. Like I'm clicking Trey Lance or somebody else. Other than that, you know, wherever the value is, that's where I'm going to take my quarterback generally, um, unless I'm squeezing a super flex. Um, running backs, I've never clicked Joe Mixon. Uh, I'm always wow. going for I'm always going for Saquon, Kamara, Aaron Jones, or Swift instead. Personally, um, I, I think just Burrow is going to pass more. I think that we saw that really kind of leading the mix in early in the season. He's going to score a bunch of touchdowns. But I, I want my guys to like really have the big ceiling, big pass catching stuff. Um, so I'm not really clicking him. I'm nowhere near Cam Akers. Uh, we've seen the talk of Kyron Williams possibly getting a role on top of him not looking great Akers. And they do have Daryl Henderson there, obviously. So again, great offense. I, I, I just can't click him. Uh, I want to draft a receiver there. Not reaching for Zeke uh, and jo- and Josh Jacobs and Singletary, they're sliding. So if they slide too far, cool. But um, yeah, the guy, I, those guys, I just almost never click. Uh, I'm not taking Debo way off him. I'd rather, I'd honestly rather have T Higgins uh, and a, a list of other guys. Yeah, uh, Keenan, same thing. Uh, I'd rather have Mike Williams. I don't like to draft older guys. I know Keenan's a pretty much a lock to be probably top 15 uh, while he's healthy. But uh, I think there's a chance that Mike Williams could like really bust out Uh, Deontay. Same thing. Deontay was just riding the coattails of Ben. And I think the offense changing with coordinator and pass their passer, uh, whether it's Trubisky or Kenny Pickett, uh, I think it's going to kind of be brought down. Uh, His ADP has slipped a little bit with that shoulder injury. So maybe you can get him. I got him in round seven the other day. How do you feel about you like Deontay there? That's great. Yeah. I was, was, was Juju on the board? No, so Juju was gone. Okay. I already yeah, drafted Brees Hall around five, Cor- or Cortland Sutton round six, and then he was just sitting there. Uh, so, yeah, Juju was gone. So, yeah, I took yeah. him round oh, seven. Oh, that's, yeah, seventh rounds. Uh, and it's one QB or two? It's one QB. Oh, yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a great pick for sure. Yeah, I agree, uh, though. I'm, I'm kind of concerned about him, too. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, not, not in Alan Lazard and not in Hunter Renfro. Uh, yeah. I think Red, Renfro, go, every time Renfro goes, I'm just like, thank you. One, one less player that I don't want is going. Uh, I mean, there's so many better players than me who are going in that neighborhood, but, um, and Alan Lazard, I just, I just can't get there. I mean, the guy just doesn't have the stats. He's been in the league for a while. He's in the practice squad. Uh, I just, I just don't see him breaking out. Um, if he falls, sure. But you know, where he goes, there's some really, really good players, receivers specifically. Um, and where he goes, you know, maybe that's the spot where I am going for Ramondre or I'm going for AJ Dillon, somebody like that. If, if, yeah. if I'm in a sharp draft and, uh, Lazard slides a little bit. With Matt LaFleur coming out today and saying that they're going to use yeah. all seven receivers as a committee, uh, yeah. that's pretty gross. So I kind of agree yeah. with you there on, on Lazard. Uh, I agree with a lot of the running backs that you mentioned. Like anyone in that David Montgomery, Ezekiel Elliott, Josh Jacobs range, I just, I'm taking receivers there almost every time. Yep. Um, and then just waiting. I mean, I, I, I typically wait and then just try to get like a Brees Hall, AJ Dillon, like that next tier of running backs, uh, you know, a couple rounds later after hammering mm-hmm. receiver. Um, what do you think of Gabe Davis? Cause I know a lot of people are super high on him. I feel like he's being drafted so high though. You know, like he went above a number of receivers that I really like, uh, mm-hmm. the other night, like he's, I don't know. I, I think there's a lot of upside there, but where he's going, it kind of scares me away. Like round six, round five for Gabe Davis is crazy to me. Yeah. Like people picking him over DJ Moore or, T, or even some people pick him over T Higgins. Yeah. That's like, crazy. no, 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 no. <laughs> um, um, like Waddle too, even though Waddle has that weird injury thing going on, it's a little bit shady, yeah. but um, yeah, if, if he just, I, I, so if I, I, if you play underdog and you, say you pick Allen in the third, I'm down to take Davis, Gabe Davis in the fourth there. But yeah. um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I just can't go for those like proven stuff. Like I'd rather have Amram Ross St. Brown, um, but, uh, I'm down. I mean, I get it. I definitely get it. Uh, cause if, if he is, if he's the real deal, um, it, it could be just massive, massive season. If that offense doesn't fall off at all. So yeah, I, as long as you, I, I would say just generally in a one quarterback league, if you're in round five, that's cool. But, um, there's, there's some, there, that receiving pocket right there in, in that third, late third, early fourth, fourth, late fifth, or sorry, early fifth, that pocket's so strong right there. So, um, uh, I'm, I'm usually not clicking him. We talked about how we both like taking a lot of rookies uh, in redraft. Uh, I I love J- Drake London. I love um, a lot of these rookie receivers. Yeah. I, I feel myself, you know, I find myself taking a lot of like uh, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave. I have Traylon Burks in our league. I'm not super pumped about that, but oh um, we'll see what happens there. Uh, but yeah, I have a lot of these rookies. Uh, what are your thoughts on this year's rookie class and who are some of your favorites? Yeah, so uh, I'm a Jets fan and I'm hammering Michael Carter. Uh, mm-hmm. He goes so late. I think it's going to be a really good split early. That said, it, like Brees going in the fourth, I can't do that. Um, in the fifth, I'd consider it, depending who's there and what your roster looks like. But uh, if you do have Brees, he's a guy I'm probably looking to trade for and not draft, uh, just because I think he's going to have a little bit of a slower role that's been reflected in their snap counts and so on. Uh, same with Garrett Williams. Uh, I'm sorry, yeah, Garrett Wilson. He's been yeah. clearly the number four guy. Really slow start. Sky Moore, kind of in the same vein. Even Traylon Burks, kind of the same thing. Uh, same with Christian Watson. All these like highly touted receivers are just going to be really slow. And again, like we were saying earlier, if you're drafting a rookie, you know you got to be in there for the long haul here. So you want to make sure that you're drafting a lot of players. I guess you could cut quick because if you're investing that high, you know, at, at, uh, you know, if you're investing a tenth round pick in an eighteen round draft, 
you really don't want to be dropping that guy uh, with, with the amount you've invested there. Um, so I expect those guys to start slow. So don't like overly hammer all those guys. I said, um, you mentioned uh, Drake. I think Drake London's probably the safest bet for, for picking a rookie. I think George Pickens could be that dude, uh, but you know, he's got more target competition. We don't know what the quarterback situation is going to be like. Uh, so despite lighting it up, I, I feel way better about betting on Drake London than George Pickens and man Pickens goes so high in some drafts. Uh, I, other guys I like, I like uh, Tyler Algier for the Falcons. I click him a lot late uh, just because, you know, um, he's competing with Williams and uh, I think Cordero Patterson, they're going to use him in the slot a little bit more to open up a bigger role. They're really short. It's like they flipped. They went from like really short on running backs. Now they've got a little bit of depth there. Now they're just really shorthanded on receivers. So I could see him playing on the field. We, we hate a, uh, a passing touchdown at the goal line. Love to see that in the preseason. So um, that's another uh, Zamir White, another rookie. Maybe he pushes Josh Jacobs. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Wondell Robinson uh, is a guy that is just, I think the cat, the cat's out of the bag there uh, with him. Everyone's going really high for him. Jahan Dotson getting all the first team snaps uh, and a, a late guy. Uh, I really like David Bell with my, with my last round pick. Um, chance they're going to be cutting him, but um, if you're in a deep league and wanted to take a shot on a rookie, I like him. Um, Pacheco and Dobbs, the preseason darlings, if they don't go too high, definitely down to take shots on them too. Yeah, you have both of those guys in our league. I know you like, <laughs> you like them. Um, yeah. One guy I'll mention too, I like Rashad White in Tampa. Again, I'm a Bucks fan. Yeah. He looked really good in the preseason. I, I think, uh, I know Jason Light, the GM, recently said that they have some plays designed just to get the ball in his hand. So I think they're going to, I mean, still letter for that show, obviously, but I think he could come in on third downs and have some certain plays that, uh, you know, they throw him out there for. So, and, and he has a lot of upside. I mean, if something happens to Lenny, I think he's the guy in a great offense. So I like Rashad White a lot. You can usually get him with like your last pick or two. So yeah. I like him. Yeah, I'll add too that just uh, if you're one of those teams where you're not, not drafting running backs early, and I'm sure most people know this, but just mix it up. Like you want to have those guys who are, because Rashad White could give you zeros. So you don't want to have yeah. your, your whole bench being guys who are giving you zeros in the season. So you want to mix in some Naheem Hines. I mentioned Amir Abdullah. Like, he's free. Um, he's probably a guy that can get you seven, eight points in a pinch if, if you're really short. Um, so, yeah, just make sure you're not firing out. all Like, all those rookies I mentioned, like, you don't want to have all of them on the same team. You want to really mix up your exposures and archetypes as far as how they're going to produce for you. See, and that's the mistake I made in our league where I look at my mm-hmm. team and I have one flex spot that needs to be filled. And my options are Traylon Burks, Garrett Wilson, oh. uh, Rashad White. I have Michael Gallup doesn't help me. Um, oh, yeah. You need to trade Michael. We need to trade. There's a demand for Gallup, man. You could probably get a good haul for him. I might need to do that. Might need to do that. Yeah. Uh, last question for you. Who are your favorite sleepers? We just talked about your rookie sleepers, yeah. but overall sleepers. Um, I know Irv Smith's definitely in there. Uh, yeah. you love him. Who are your favorite sleepers yeah. in addition to Irv too? Yeah, I love I love Irv. Uh, Albert O. Now that Greg Dolchich is is on yeah. the uh, IR or uh, pop. Uh, anyways, uh, yeah, so I'm down with him. Uh, running backs mentioned Zamir White. I think Raheem Mostert's real sneaky. You get him real late. Uh, we know Chase Edmonds is a pass catcher. Maybe they do more of a split. We know Mostert has been trusted by Mike McDaniel. So I think late round flyer down for him. Down for Khalil Herbert. I could see him being more of a close to split with Montgomery. Uh, you know, Benjamin, if you want to bet against James Conner having an injury history, uh, he looks to have the inside track. Uh, I think Kenneth Gamewell and Boston Scott are both interesting. Um, we don't, I, Miles Sanders is also really cheap too. So I'm down to take him. But uh, I think Gamewell, if he really secures that passing role and, the, and that steady drumbeat of Philly passing more, could really be interesting. 
Uh, receivers mentioned Wandell. I love taking KJ Hamler. We know Russ is that deep ball thrower guy expected to be Sutton quite a bit, but I think KJ Hamler could really dominate uh, as Russ's go-to deep ball guy. Uh, Ronda Moore early in the season without DeAndre Hopkins could really produce. And I think if you want to bet against Traylon Burks, I don't hate firing at Nick Westbrook Akine late. Um, pretty low upside, pretty gross. But if you're firing at all these like rookies with no early season floor at all, uh, then I think Westbrook Akine uh, could be sneaky. Kyle Fuller to a lesser degree. DJ Shark also. He goes real late. And Jared Koff, uh, he's been lighting up in the preseason if you've been watching Hard Knocks. So you get Shark really cheap. Uh, Isaiah McKenzie is one of the, the bells of the ball here uh, as late round targets. Same with Josh Palmer and two, uh, John Dotson also uh, with the high snaps mentioned him. And a late, late round guy I'm taking an underdog a lot is Paris Campbell. Just being a number two with a new passer. Those are areas I really like to target. Uh, Chase Claypool is kind of an earlier sleeper, but you know, new passing situations, slot guys uh, could really yield some big results. Obviously, we saw what happened with Cooper Cup last year. I love all those. Uh, yeah, I'm really excited about Isaiah uh, just, just to let everyone know, uh, while I was talking just now, Alex put in our league chat that he's shopping Michael Gallup. So I, I need a, <laughs> I need a little, I need a little 10% manager fee for, uh, for absolutely. That one. Yeah, I'll throw you, I'll throw you one of the uh, the guys that get in the deal as a little kickback. Um, you know, how to awesome. do it when when so you have good. a when you have a fantasy expert on your podcast giving you advice in real time. You got you got to listen. You know what I'm saying? That's uh, it's, it's amazing. That's so um, good. <laughs> Um, I, I do want to ask you, uh, we just saw Trey Sermon got cut while we were doing yeah. this podcast. Does that make you more interested in Tyrion Davis price or anyone in that backfield? Yeah, absolutely. And Jeff Wilson, uh, cause there were reports coming out that he would be the number two, but we saw Jeff Wilson starting ahead of Trey. So this makes me seem to think if anything does happen to Mitchell, uh, this makes Jeff Wilson, Jeff Wilson, a guy I want to take now, um, uh, I think Terry and Davis Price could be that guy. And I mean, if you look at the look what happened last year, up until the the weekend, nobody was or few, very few people were looking at Elijah Mitchell. And then after if you know the sharp leagues, he got picked up day up day before, but in the regular public leagues, he was the waiver wire. Yeah. Guys literally burned their entire fob on him. So um yeah, I think I think that makes them two guys you like have to pick up now. Uh, I would say in any legit league for sure. Just uh, if you are in a deep league where you know the guy you're cutting, you're not going to miss. I think just taking a shot on those guys for the upside. Uh, given a guy has a hamstring injury, a very very likely aggravated muscle group. So um, yeah, just burning a roster spot makes all the sense in the world to burn it on Terry Davis Price and Jeff Wilson. I totally agree. Yeah, and you mentioned uh, Isaiah McKenzie. I'm a huge McKenzie fan. I'm in a league where return yards count. So I drafted McKenzie oh, yeah. with a late pick. And between his role in the offense and the kick return yards, I think he's going to be great for for not only me in that league, but uh, I, I like that he's getting some love. And and apparently he's looked amazing in camp. And yeah. I, I think he could really break out this year. Uh, I'm a big fan so of that good. one. Yeah, he crushed um, every opportunity he had last year. He dominated yeah. Yeah, I think uh, wasn't there a game that Cole Beasley was out and he stepped in and had yep. like a hundred yards or something crazy? Yeah. Oh yeah, touchdown went, went off. I love it. Uh, well, I appreciate you doing this, man. Thank you for your time. Again, you guys do such a great job over at Establish the Run. If you're a basketball fan, football fan, and you're interested in fantasy, definitely check out their amazing work. They have a great draft kit, tons of great articles. Uh, I, I follow all you guys on Twitter too because you guys have a bunch of great information. Not only like good analysis and advice, but um, you guys are great at like breaking down what else is out there, like what different reports are out there and kind of figuring out what's real and what's not. So keep it the great work. You guys are really killing it. 
Thanks so much, man. Yeah, really happy to, to have, come on here. And I'll add, it's uh, really been nice having you in, in fantasy and get to know you a little bit better. Uh, it's been really cool. So uh, shout out to you. And now we've got a, our, our friendship's a little bit stronger. And shout out to fantasy, right? Fantasy is what, what this is all about, bringing people together. So uh, yeah, it's been really great, nice to get to know you a little bit more and, and talk more fantasy with you. Yeah, you too, man. I mean, it was always great having you on the podcast, but now being able yeah. to be in this league together and negotiate trades and talk about our different <laughs> draft picks, it's been a ton of fun. So appreciate the yeah. invite to that league and now make me an offer for Michael Gallup. Um, <laughs> Team Michael G. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Uh, make sure you guys are following Mike at Mike S. Gallagher on Twitter. Again, check out his great work at Establish the Run. And if you guys want to hear more episodes of this podcast, check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen. And until next time, thanks for tuning in.